our agencies, our sales teams, maybe even our, our home life, like going forward, what do you think some of the biggest changes are that are coming down the pike in the next couple of years? I think what we're doing here in terms of technology is going to probably change the way we just do business in significant ways. Insurance dudes are on a mission to escape being handcuffed by our agencies. How? By uncovering the secrets to creating a predictable, consistent, and profitable agency sales machine. I am Craig Pretzinger. I am Jason Feldman. We are agents. We are insurance dudes. Right now, while it's fresh in your mind, check out live.teledudes.com. We took our notes from over 100 interviews with top agents from around the country and made it into a live webcast. Using these strategies led Craig and I to selling more than $10 million in premium in the last two years. On this call, you'll receive the exact blueprint to get the same results. Just go to live.teledudes.com to register for this upcoming Tuesday's live call with us. If you jump on this call with us, we're certain 2022 will be an absolutely fantastic year for you. See you there. So what would that question be? Instead of, hey, this is so-and-so, we're calling because you requested this quote or whatever they're saying. How do we pre-frame that? Well, give me a little more detail. So, so me- uh, we purchase leads. It goes to the telemarketer. Telemarketer calls and then we'll acknowledge that they purchased or that they inquired about insurance. And we're going to get you over to a licensed person to – And, and I would say – 90% of the ads that go out is basically save money on your insurance. <laughs> right. It's so the, that's the, message. the only way to hook them, right, is, is by the price. Well, the first thing that comes to mind is people are never as motivated by what they may save, but they're a lot more motivated by what they're losing. And so when you talk about overpaying rather than saving, people tend to be more open to that conversation. Because if we don't save, we don't feel worse off. But if we think we're overpaying, that feels like we're losing something. And we we respond very differently to that. And uh, some man named Daniel Kahneman, who won the Nobel Prize for his work with his uh, late partner, Amos Tversky, where they statistically prove human beings feel the pain of loss anywhere from two to two and a half times more than the joy of gaining the same thing. So part of the preframe might be something about we're giving you a call because you said you wanted uh, some information on insurance and you're if you're like most people you're probably paying more than you want to is that right well yeah that's that's why I thought I would you know so all of a sudden they're thinking well yeah that's why I got on that list I was willing to take a call because I think I pay too much that you know because everybody's going to tell you they can save you money right but right. most people aren't telling you like hey do you realize you're paying too much what? What do you mean I'm paying too much? Well, and you start to have that conversation. And I talk a lot about this in my book, Persuasive Selling. At the end, there's some kind of case study things. And when selling telematics, this is an integral part of selling telematics. By letting somebody know, the persuasive question in that scenario is, do you consider yourself to be a good driver? Uh-huh. I mean, mm. who's going to tell everybody does, right? Know? Yeah. Everybody thinks that they're better than average. And so when you say, do you consider yourself to be a good driver, at least better than average, once they come back and say, yeah, I'm I'm definitely better than average, that's where I'd step in and say, well, you know what, Craig, insurance rates are primarily based on averages, which means good drivers like you are paying more than you should because you're supplementing drivers who aren't as good. 
but that's changing with technology. What we're finding is some people are paying 50% more than they should. And that's where people are going like, holy cow. And then you can talk about, you know, there's technology that we could install in your car, or maybe it's already there. And it's going to monitor your driving and give you that better than average rate that you deserve. Mm, Love that. I love it. I love it. Many agents are out there selling telematics and they struggle with it because they talk about new technology. People are afraid of that. They talk about right. tracking your driving. Nobody wants to be tracked. They're talking about right. things. It's not as powerful as talking about loss. They can have the same conversation, but very differently if they understand the psychology that motivates people's behavior. Oh, I love that. It is remarkable how the frame of it, and I think we see this all the time. I know we do, I, you know, whether it be on service sales or Gosh, even with our our staff, right? Like the way you frame something, you get a completely different response. So Mm -hmm. it's it's framing whether it is a sale or service or, you know, talking to our staff. It's the way being real intentional on how you frame it so you get the response that you want. Yep. And for listeners, this isn't a, a magic wand. You won't have everybody saying yes to you. But if you start getting good at this and 20% more people are saying yes, or 30% or 40%, whatever that number is, without having to spend money or any more time, it's just by more thoughtfully communicating because you've learned about what social influence is all about. That's a big win. Oh, yeah. Yeah. If, if we can make little improvements across the board and all of the different little nuances of the sales process, then it's it overall compounds to make a, a huge difference. Absolutely. It, it compounds on itself. You know, if you get 10% more people saying yes to the first meeting and 10% more people say yes to uh, maybe a second meeting or a presentation and, and your close ratio goes up by 10%, you haven't just increased by 10%. It's all compounding because you're getting more opportunity. It's great. So we've talked a lot about sales. How could we use these same concepts to enhance the client experience once we get them in the door? Well, here's one simple example. Because Jason, I know you're in California, Craig. Yep, Arizona. Arizona. Okay, so you're both in in places that are pretty warm. Yeah. When people think about engaging what's called reciprocity, the feeling of obligation that, that we have when someone does something or gives something to us. If you have somebody who walks in your agency and you say, oh, wow, you know, it's pretty hot outside. There's some cold drinks over there if you'd like one. They appreciate that, but you really haven't engaged reciprocity in the same way as if you had said, wow, it's really hot out today. Would you like something cold to drink? And when they say yes, you get up and you get it and you hand it to them. There's something about the act of us actually doing something like that that enhances the experience. And here's something that many of your listeners could probably relate to. Have either of you guys stayed at a Doubletree hotel? Yes. No. So you haven't, Jason, but you have, Craig. I have. So so the Doubletree, when you go in and you check in, they give you this warm chocolate chip cookie as soon as you're checking in. And people rave about the cookie. Now, Embassy Suites has some really good cookies too, but they put them at the door. You can take as many as you want when you walk in or walk out, but people don't have the same experience. People don't rave about the cookies at the embassy and they're pretty good cookies, but they do. And it's, it's how it's presented. It's the experience. And so when you start thinking about how can we enhance the customer experience, you need to think about from the moment that person walks in the door, what can we do that would help to engage that experience? And the simple act in many things of getting up and getting something for somebody creates this sense of reciprocity, like, wow, that was really nice what Jason did. So that when you make that next ask, 
it's a little easier for them to say yes. Yes. I See, love that. There's so work. many ways. <laughs> yeah, it did. <laughs> there are so many ways to use that. I mean, it's incredible thinking like my mind's spinning now. And I know we've talked, I know we talked a little bit about that on the, on the other podcast. And that's where my mind, my mind picked up. And I was like, ah, oh, I haven't really followed through with some of the things that I thought about. <laughs> you, didn't do, you didn't do the special day with your kids yet? I, oh, uh, no, day. no. Well, kind of, kind of. I've been very thought. So I have, I think I told you I have four kids and um, a lot of little ones. The last year was super challenging. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, to be, this is a hundred percent honest. Like I tend did to like kind of tune out a little bit here and there. Cause it gets wild. Mm-hmm. So my whole, like I'm really trying to be present with my kids mm-hmm. lately, a lot more present. Cause it's easier to, it's easier to tune out when it gets nuts, but uh, definitely doesn't help. <laughs> it does the opposite. Right. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so I, I have been spending more one-on-one time individually, but I loved that as well. I loved having like the special day with them. I'm going to need to revisit that and do that again. Yeah. You need to, you just need to be intentional about it. Cause I, I've told many people about the idea and unfortunately very few uh, put it into practice, but once you do it, you start to find that you get the joy out of giving out of, out of getting to experience that day with them. And and so it's not, it no longer becomes just like, Oh, you know, got to get this thing done. It's like, I want to do this thing. And, And they, they receive it that way. And, and it just gets better and better. Yeah, it's the same concept of the date with your wife, right? Like, mm-hmm. it, what what a difference does that make in your relationship? I mean, you could do that. You could say with with your team members and your agency having the the time to really just kind of appreciate them, maybe do something yep. um, individually. Yeah, like that's that reciprocity. It goes really far, I think. Super, yeah. but you got to be super intentional about it. That's not an easy thing to implement. <laughs> yeah, and and you get a lot more bang for the buck when when you surprise people. You know, because we we expect yeah. stuff on you know Christmas, birthday, and other certain times. But when somebody went out of the blue, you surprise somebody, and and when you give something or do something that that's meaningful to them, you know that you're not doing for everybody else, but means something to them, you know. And and the more you can do when it comes to that, that gets this wow factor, and that's you know because they feel heard and appreciated, you know that that you would know and respond to something that means a lot to them. Right. And then I guess in an agency too, that would be the number one retention tactic is that whole doing something that creates that reciprocity. Yeah. People will stay where they feel appreciated. And, and a lot of times people will turn away opportunities for more money because there's a little bit of fear that comes with that. Like, what's that environment going to be like? Is it going to be as good as, but more so than that, why do I want to leave this place? where I enjoy what I do and I know that I'm well compensated and I really like the people that I work with and, and my boss. And so if you can create all of that, that is value. It doesn't Mm. have a monetary number, but, but it can be the reason that that good people want to stay there and other good people want to work there. Yeah. I love that. So for agents who are listening, besides listening to this podcast and of course, leaving a review and subscribing, how should they keep themselves motivated? What are some really important things they need to do for (laughs) themselves? Probably the best activity that I've ever done that's kept me motivated. And I was talking with somebody today about this. Have either of you read Stephen Covey's book, The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People? Yes. 
Okay. Then you might remember, Jason, there's a chapter called Begin with the End in Mind. And Mm -hmm. Covey lays out an idea of what he called a personal mission statement. He, He basically said most people plan more for their next vacation than they do for the rest of their lives. And uh, and he said, you know, businesses all have mission statements, that North Star that they shoot for. And he encouraged readers to write their own mission statement. So that was the one takeaway for me from the book. I sat down almost 30 years ago. I wrote the mission statement and I put it in in a place where I would see and read either the whole thing or parts of it almost every day for the last 30 years. Now I have an app on my phone where I listen to it. So when I'm up at five in the morning and I'm grabbing my coffee for about three minutes, I am listening to that mission statement and a couple of positive affirmations to start my day. And it just, I tell you, I, I think it starts to sink into your soul and and just begin to change who you are and how you interact with people. And for me, that mission statement of of looking at it and saying, this is the person that I want to become. This is the person I want my, my family and friends and others to remember me as is a huge accountability for me on a daily basis. That's a big motivator for me. And I would encourage other people to try it too. I love that. I'm doing something along those lines this year. And I talked to Craig about this. I haven't really talked to too many people about this. So why not on here? But it's like cutting out that 80%. That's just, what are you doing? You know, to to double down on the 20% of what's making the biggest difference. And then with that being very, very intentional, um, mm-hmm. making sure that every single minute of the day counts. And I'm doing that at home too. I'm getting rid of 80% of my stuff and just making it a lot easier to focus and, and to allow new things, you know? I think- what would be helpful is if you if you still have something that that you tangibly read or listen to that kind of keeps you focused on that and maybe it is just putting up 80 20 or something like that otherwise it could be it can get a little distracting so many things come at us and mm. and it becomes easy to be pulled in different directions and i get people all the time well Brian why don't you do this why don't you do that why don't you do this and, and I keep coming back to why did I start this business? What is my why in, in doing that? And how do I think I can best fulfill that? And then I just put my head down and that's what I do. Are there other good opportunities? Yes, there are. There's an infinite number of other opportunities. But I know that I won't be as successful if, if I spread myself thin as opposed to going in deep with certain things. Yeah. Yeah, I love it. And going forward, what do you think are some of the biggest changes that are affecting our agencies, our sales teams, maybe even our our home life? Like going forward, what do you think some of the biggest changes are that are coming down the pike in the next couple of years? I think what we're doing here in terms of technology is going to probably change the way we just do business in significant ways. We got a big taste of it during the pandemic because we were forced to use the technology. But I think people are going to start getting even more creative with with how they do it. And so as an example for insurance agents, it doesn't necessarily mean that you're only going to be writing business that's local because, you know, the days of, you know, driving 20 minutes to sit down and look your agent in the eye, you can do that anytime with technology. Right. why, why, Why do I have to feel... Like, you know, your being within a 15 minute drive is even a factor in terms of my my doing business. And I think that when you start embracing that mindset, you agents, 
you can be talking to any, anyone anywhere. And if they are a prospective customer, they're in line with what you look to write, what helps that agency succeed, then it shouldn't really matter where they're located, that you should be able to, to interact with them and, and potentially help them. So I think that's going to be a, a huge one. And the other thing is going to be managing the diverse workforce, because, you know, going back to what we talked about with culture, you know, culture used to be going in the building, seeing people at the water cooler, having a cup of coffee, informally going out to lunch, sidebar conversations during meetings. And so much of that's gone away. So what are you going to do to have people feel this sense of, of culture and connectedness when they're working maybe four days a week from home? That's going to be mm. a real challenge. And if you don't foster that, I think then it just becomes, well, I, I can work for any insurance agency and who's going to offer me the most money because I'm going to just right. do what I do from sitting here in my pajamas at home. So there's going to have to be intentionality with the things that you do to get people to feel like I'm really glad that I'm working here. This is different than the last place I worked. Yeah. What What is that difference maker? What do you think an agent can do to create that? Well, I'll go to something that I've done is I've worked with uh, different companies and agencies, knowing that I'm not going to, a lot of times, walk into a room and spend a day or two days with them. I had to think about what can I do to get them engaged? And so I used persuasion. I work with a client and then I say, hey, you know, part of working together is going to be, I want to know every person who's going to be involved in this training. I'd like their email because I will personally reach out to them. But what I'll do is I will connect with them on LinkedIn. Then a week or so before the training, I will send them an email, letting them know I'm excited to work with them. I'll have the client send a podcast so that they actually hear me and kind of get a sense of who I am and how I think. And all of a sudden, when we get online in the virtual world, it's not, oh, who's this guy and what's he going to talk about? It's, oh, Brian, I'm connected to him on LinkedIn. And he sent me this email that was really nice. And I just got his book. There's all this momentum to create a great training experience. If I didn't do all that stuff on the front end intentionally, then, you know, I'd have people sitting in and, and they might be checked out before they ever, check, you know, get online. And that won't help them and it won't help me. So I think the thought process for anybody running a business is, how could I take some of that? What can I do before the meeting to get people mentally engaged? Is there some way that that I can do some things that build a little bit of momentum? So even though we're not in the same room, we can have a productive 45 minutes online and feel good about that transaction and then go back to doing the things that we need to do. Yeah, I love that. So Brian, you've gone the distance on this before we've even talked about the book. So I'd love for you to dive into your new book, Super excited to hear all about it. So with extra time, like so many people over the pandemic, I decided to give a shot at writing a business parable. So the book is called The Influencer Secrets to Success and Happiness. And my thought in this was my first book was a heavy business slash psychology book. Second book was entirely focused on selling. And I know there are some people who won't pick up either type of those books. So I wanted another angle to teach people about influence. And I decided to do it in a story format. And the book basically follows the life of this young man named John Andrews, who's a very ordinary person, 
But as he begins to learn about influence, takes a class in college, learns a little bit, starts working at a medical supply company, and he begins to learn from some seasoned people. And he starts pulling in these bits and pieces of information to form his own philosophy on what he needs to do to ethically influence people. And so it follows his his journey from salesperson into management and further. And um, almost every character in the book is based on somebody that I learned things from during my career. So it was an honor to get to write about them and share with a wider audience what they taught me that was so valuable for me in my career. Awesome. And is it out now? It is. It's available uh, on Amazon and ebook and uh, paperback. So people can go directly to Amazon or if they are on my website, there's plenty of things on the sidebar to let them know about the book and they can click on it and get it there. Super cool. Mention the title again. The Influencer, Secrets to Success and Happiness. Because oh, I really believe if people learn how to ethically influence others, if, if you're able to get more people saying yes more often at the office, you're probably going to have success. And if you're able oh, to God. do that at home, you probably have a little less friction and more happiness. <laughs> I truly believe that as well. I love it. I, I believe that sales is the engine that runs, I mean, everything, right? With conversation and everything else. Mm-hmm. Um yep. Super cool. Super cool. Are you doing any book signing? I, what a weird world we live in now, but are you doing any kind of appearances or anything for the book? No. Um, when I write books, primarily I do that for the audiences that I'm going to interact with. So this this goes back to what I said before about there's so many things that you can f- do. And if you aren't focused about what you want to do, then you just get lost in all the choices. When I w- sat down to write the first book, it was for credibility. So even though writing a book has nothing to do with your ability to speak to an audience, it is a factor in terms of getting people to hire you. So I wanted the credibility right off the bat. Second book was primarily to support a one-day workshop that I do with agents and field sales reps at insurance companies. That's the persuasive selling. And then the third book is going to open up an avenue for a market, I think, outside of insurance. But my focus with the books is when I go in to speak to an organization, if they purchase the book for the people who are in attendance. So let's say I go and I speak to 400 people. If they say like, wow, that was great. I loved it. And then they read the book. I've got now, even if only half of them read it, right? I've got 200 people who loved what I had to share. Now they've read the book and some percentage of those people are going to want to hire me. And so if a percentage of those people hire me, I'm going to get paid way more than I would by selling an extra thousand or 2000 books, you know, via Amazon and stuff. So So I strategically am utilizing the book in that manner, not to put on the shelves of Barnes and Noble or anything like that. Love it. It's super intentional. I love, I love that. Awesome. If somebody wants to get a hold of you and see all the books in order or wants to reach out to you to uh, hire you, where is the best place to go? The best place would be directly to my website, which is influencepeople.biz. There, there. I mean, my phone number's there, email, all that kind of stuff. They can set up a meeting if they want to have like a 15-minute introductory call. Certainly connect with me on LinkedIn because, you know, I, I know people like to try before they buy. So if you're on LinkedIn, you're going to see I publish a lot of content, a lot of videos, all kinds of stuff continually. So you'll start to really get a flavor for who is this guy, Brian? How does he think? How does he apply this knowledge? How can that help me? Super cool. Well, Awesome. 
Yeah, it's it's so good to have you on again, Brian. Thank you so much. And uh, we're going to be sure to pick up that book and take a read. Well, I appreciate uh, yes. you guys having having me back on because this is a yeah. this is a fun show to be a part of. I was I was kind of hoping there was going to be the rapid fire questions, not that I had, <laughs> had ready answers, but 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 mentally I was ready for it. Nice. Yeah, <laughs> we have officially put uh, speed breakers to sleep. So yeah, I mean, there could be a reemergence down the road. You never know. It would have to be all new questions. Yeah, it'd have to be all new questions. Yeah, no, boy. no more Count Dracula or Chocula. Count Chocula. Count Chocula right. or Count yeah. Dracula. Yeah, yeah. So you got to be a little creative. Yeah, uh-huh. <laughs> but I guess just to, to bring it back, what would you choose, Count Chocula or Count Dracula? I'd count Chocula, of course. I love Chocula. There you Perfect. go. Perfect. Well, cool. that that gives you more credibility. There you go. <laughs> Well, Brian, thanks, thanks so, so much, much, Brian. Hey, yeah. It was my pleasure. Thank you for having me on. Okay. Super we'll cool. Have a great one. Hey, what are you still doing here? Well, while you're still here and while it's fresh in your mind, check out live.teledudes.com. Yeah, if you weren't listening before, we took notes from over 100 interviews with top agents from around the country and made it into a live webcast. Using these strategies did help Craig and I write over $10 million in premium in the last couple of years. And let me tell you, on this call, you'll receive the exact blueprint to get the very same results. Again, that's live.teledudes.com to register for this upcoming Tuesday's live call with us. And if you jump on with us, we are certain 2022 will be an absolutely fantastic year for you. See you there.